Hey, if you uh, are new, we've actually been in a series called Unhinged where we're, we're talking about Jesus. We're taking a look at who Jesus is because I have found that a lot of times people have sometimes this perception of the church or people who claim to follow Jesus that, that maybe doesn't line up with who Jesus is. And, and I would imagine that probably all of you have a friend or you got a family member or someone you work with or someone maybe you go to school with, you live next to, that you know that hasn't been interested in God, that isn't interested in going with you to church. And maybe it's not because they don't have a curiosity about God, but maybe it's because the reflection of Jesus that they have seen through the people who claim to follow him look nothing like him. And so we're trying to take an honest look at who Jesus really is and see if we can, as his followers, line our lives with who he is. And here's what's amazing. Um, I think that Jesus is more bothered by this than we are, that people in the world want nothing to do with him, not because of who he is, but because of how we have presented him to the world. In fact, today, we're gonna look at one of these moments when Jesus became unhinged, one of these moments when Jesus kind of went off, so to speak, um, because this thing that we're gonna talk about today maybe angers Jesus more than anything else. And so if you would just remain standing for a moment, I wanna read to you out of Matthew chapter 23. That's where we'll be today, and you'll have plenty of time to be able to write it down and take notes, because I know that's what you're gonna do. Matthew 23, um, I wanna read just a few verses, and, and then we'll get started. And Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they, what? Everybody say it, what they, they don't practice what they preach. Ooh, I I feel, I feel a special anointing on this message. It's going to get spicy today. It's I feel it. I don't know if you're gonna like it, but you know, a passage like Matthew 23, kind of a moment you're gonna see when Jesus opens a can on some people. Am I allowed to say that? Sometimes I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say, forgive me. But I don't know how else to say it. I I can't read it all to you today because we don't have enough time but you'll have to read part of it on your own, but Jesus just unleashes a verbal assault in a righteous way on the religious people, the religious leaders. And I believe that he wants to speak something to all of us today. And so if you bow your heads and just close your eyes, I wanna ask him to speak to us now. Father, I, I pray in this moment that you would help me to get out of your way. I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to illuminate to show each of us, God, the gaps in our life that you want to speak into. God, I thank you for your presence here. I don't believe it's just hype. I don't, I really believe that your spirit is in this moment, that God, you have something to say. And so I pray that I could hear it. I pray we could hear it. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we pray all these things in his wonderful name. And everybody said, come on, can we give him praise one more time before you sit down? We can never do that enough. You can be seated. I have found that there are two types of people in this world. There are those who are photogenic and those who are not. I'm just curious, is is there anybody here that you would just be bold enough to claim that you're pretty photogenic? Raise your hand if you're... Yet nobody really wants to, I got one person, I appreciate you, man. This is, that is honesty, my God. I, let, me, let me ask you the other way because maybe we'll be a little bit honester. Okay, a little bit honest. Um, how many of you would say, like me, you don't like the way you look in your photos? Raise your hand if you don't like the way. It's funny because I'm just gonna go ahead and take it that all the rest of you that didn't raise your hands actually think you're really photogenic and you just didn't wanna, because you don't want to be really, you don't want to be like, oh, that guy or that girl, you know, look at me. And, but I really do believe this. There are some people, I mean, you'll meet some people 
and they're so photogenic. Like they look perfect in every single photo. Can I just be honest with you? I hate the way I look in photos. I look at myself in photos. I'm like, oh gosh, do I really look like that? And then I'll look in the mirror or watch a video. I'm like, no, I don't think I'm that bad, right? I don't know if any of you feel this way, but then there's some that just, the camera loves you. You look so good, like it, and you have no problem sharing it with the world and posting it all the time. And, and I'm so glad for that because I really am jealous. I wish I was photogenic. But you know what I also have discovered? Is I've also discovered that there are some people that I think are so photogenic. I mean, they look so good. Every picture looks great. And then I meet them in real life. You ever met any of them? And you're like, dang, Instagram filters do you good, honey. Like, you. Or, or, or just some people, they just, on camera, they, they look amazing. They look awesome. And then you meet them up, and you get up close and personal. The moment you get up close and personal, and you're like, oh, you have pop marks too. Oh, you had bad acne when you were in high school too. Oh, it's, you know what I mean? And, and we realize that it's not all what we thought. You know what I've discovered about life? I've discovered the same thing is true about life with people. Is that there's sometimes we have a picture of people and we think that they're one way. Some people you look at them and their life looks perfect. You ever read them that's like, oh my gosh, you're the perfect husband. Oh, I wish my husband was like yours, right? You'll say that. Or, oh my gosh, she's like the perfect mom. And, and look at the meals that she makes and she posts all the time. Oh my God. And, and they just kind of like love each other and they've been married for a lot of years. That's weird. And, and, and they got the perfect job. And, the, and you look at their life and maybe they just seem like they have it all together. And it seems like they never mess up and they never screw up. And then here's what I've discovered with some of them. If you will get up close and personal into their life, you all of a sudden discover, that the way they looked doesn't really match with who they are. And that's what Jesus is speaking to in this moment. He's speaking about a group of people that the way they're perceived, the way they carry themselves doesn't really line up with who they really are. And so Jesus, in this moment, he gathers the crowds. It says in Matthew 23, 1, that he gets the crowds and he gets his disciples all together. And so I imagine that there's a mass of people and he looks at them and he begins to talk about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, the Pharisees, for those of you that may be newer around the church and the gospels, the Pharisees were kind of the religious leading group, okay? They, they didn't just lead in church, they led in the in the, like, the public state and the government of the Jewish people. They were like, like top dogs, okay? And then you had teachers of the law who were kind of like lawyers or scribes. They were, the, they were the trained, they were the educated, they were the ones that could read. Most people couldn't read. They were the ones that would write and copy scriptures and other things. And so Jesus is addressing them. Now, before you kind of think, wait a minute, this is kind of rude. Jesus, you're gonna talk about them behind their back? I mean, haven't we been learning? Isn't that gossip? Here's what I want you to know. They're actually in the crowd. And partway through this, and I can't, I can't walk through all of this, partway through this, he actually turns and begins to speak to them directly. So there's nothing he's saying that he will not say to their face. And so here's what Jesus does. Now, before he begins to kind of talk about the way they're living, he first has to separate the role they have the function they have, and the person that they are. Okay, this is what he has to do, the person that they, they tend to be. And, and, he, and he says something interesting about him. In fact, I, I need to grab something. I need to grab something real quick. He says this. He said that they sit in Moses' seat. All right, so I got Moses' seat with me. Some of you didn't know that's what this is, but this is Moses' seat. You gotta pretend. <laughs> he said they sit... In Moses' seat. Now, scholars kind of debate on, on what this is. Um, they found some really ancient synagogues, little churches, that would have a seat at kind of the head of it built out of the stone. And what they believed was this is where the teachers, the religious leaders, would come. And here's what they would do at synagogues, much like what we do in church. They, they would come and they would read from the scriptures, the scrolls of the Old Testament, and they would all be standing while they read it. That was what they did. That was kind of what they, you can go with the Old Testament. They would read. And then when they were done, they would all sit down. They would sit down and they would sit in these seats and then they would interpret. And they would give their explanation. It's kind of a sermon. 
And they, they would kind of explain the scriptures because you got to remember, most of the people they talked to were uneducated. And so they had to kind of relate it to them and they had to rely upon them. And so some scholars believe that there was a physical seat. Others aren't so sure. But when they talk about in Moses' seat, there's another understanding. And that is it may not be a physical seat, but we ought to understand this. It could be a metaphorical seat or, listen, or a position, a place of authority. Um, we would look at it like this. Maybe um, if you think about somebody that gets elected into Congress, we would say they have a seat in the House. They have a seat in the Senate. Now, that doesn't mean there's just like a chair with their name on it. But what we understand is they hold an office. They, they hold a position of authority. And so when they, Jesus says, listen, these teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they are in a position of authority, and they teach the scriptures. So make sure you do everything that they say to do. You need to obey what they're saying when they teach from you, from this, when they sit in Moses' seat, because it's really important. What they have to say matters, and what Jesus is doing, number one, is he's upholding authority. He's saying, you follow authority. Number two, he's also elevating the scriptures. He's saying, we do not, like, listen, the scriptures and good doctrine should still be received even if it's taught by bad men. That's what he's saying. And so he wants to separate that first. And so he says, do what they say because they're teaching you who God is. They're giving you the scriptures. Do what they say. And I can only imagine in the room, in the moment, that all the Pharisees are kind of secretly inside going, oh, get them, Jesus, that's so good, helping us out. You never help us out. This is really good. And the teachers of the law are like, oh, this is good, this is good. And then Jesus flips it. Do what they say. What did he say? But don't do what they do. Do what they say, but do not do what they do. Follow authority, don't follow their life. Gotta follow the things because they're teaching you what God's ways are, but don't follow the pattern of their life. And what, what Jesus is pointing out, something that we all know, is something called hypocrisy. That's what he's pointing out. You know what hypocrisy is? Hypocrisy is when um, the story you tell doesn't line up with the story you live. It's when what you say doesn't line up with what you do. Real simple, I think we all understand. That's what you'd call a hypocrite. They say one thing, they do a different thing, right? Hypocrite. And what we need to understand is that all of us have the potential of being a hypocrite because we all are communicating. We're always communicating, you do realize that. And the truth is this, we're always communicating in two ways, always. Please just know this, you're always, if you're married, this is gonna help you. If, you're, okay, if your parents gonna help you, we're always communicating in two ways. You probably know what those two ways are, right? We communicate in verbal and what? Non-verbal language. We're always communicating two ways. In other words, it's not just what people hear, it's also what they see that matters. And I think we know that because have you ever had a conversation with somebody that's telling you one thing, but you're reading something completely different? You're reading the body language. That, that would be like if you went up to your spouse and you said to your spouse, hey, honey, I love you so much. I, I am so glad we got married. That wouldn't go so well. Because it doesn't matter. I mean, you could say the nice thing. You are so beautiful today. No, that doesn't make you look fat at all. You could... Say whatever you wanted to say, and it would not matter if the body language, if what you're actually communicating nonverbal doesn't line up with what you say. Now, can I just go a little step further? Because it's not just your body language that matters. It's actually your behavior that also matters. It's not just body language, it's behavior. See, here's what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is when your behavior does not line up with your belief. Or, or maybe let me say it this way, it's when your life doesn't line up with your language. Or, or when your actions don't line up with your axioms. I could do this all day long. This is the kind of stuff I do. I love this kind of stuff. It's like what you practice doesn't match what you profess. I can do this all day long. But hypocrisy, I think we get it, is when you say one thing but you do another. 
Now, here's the interesting thing about hypocrisy. We all know about it. And even right now, as we're talking about it, you know, you're probably thinking in your mind, gosh, I just wish that so-and-so was here to hear this one. (laughs) Do you know what I've discovered? I have never met a self-proclaimed hypocrite. Like, no one owns that. I mean, mean, seriously, maybe you've said it before, but none of us think that we're actually hypocrites. I've never even met someone who is a hypocrite intentionally. Like this, I I, I mean, I know maybe you've heard from a lot of politicians, but most of them actually don't believe that they are. I've never met a, a hypocrite intentionally. And this is why we need to understand is that because hypocrisy always comes with a level of self-deception. In other words, we don't even realize when we're being hypocritical. Most of the time, we all are like, no, I'm just living my truth. No, I'm just being real. I'm just, most of us don't even realize when we're being hypocritical. It takes somebody pointing out to us that we trust and going, no, you say that, but you did that. And so what we have to understand is that there's a level of self-deception in all of us. And, and I would go so far as to say that oftentimes we don't even realize that the sin of hypocrisy is not just a sin toward God, but it is a sin toward others. It's something that affects others. This is why it's so damaging. This is why I think it made Jesus so angry. This is why he became unhinged when he would see the hypocrisy of the religious leaders because here's what they do. They sit in Moses' seat and and what do they do? They say, you need to do that and you need to do that and you do this. But the problem is their life doesn't line up with what they're telling you you need to do. Jesus didn't have a problem with what they taught. He had a problem with how they lived. And I think we have to be careful lest we all go, well, that's for religious leaders. Yes, it is. But all of us have to recognize the potential of sitting in the seat of hypocrisy. We can all sit in the seat of hypocrisy. You know, it's, it's when we take a posture, when you, when you sit down in a posture, and, and, and in their world, the religious leaders or the teachers would sit and everybody else would sit below them and they would teach them. And so it creates a, I'm the master, you're the pupil. And we have to be careful that we don't ever get that posture with others. But it's so easy to do. You know, I'm so grateful for God's forgiveness. That God has forgiven me so much. He's such a gracious God. And I think, well, every time I mess up, I can go to him and he forgives me. But I'm not forgiving her. No way, I'm letting him off. He hurt me. But I'm so glad. What? That's hypocrisy. I've received it, but I'm not giving it. Or how about this, man? I, no, I just believe that God loves everyone, and I'm just so grateful for the love of God, and he loved me, and that God loves everyone. I know, but we can say that in one moment, but then we spew hatred toward a race the next. No, that's real. Or maybe it's a hatred towards somebody of a different political affiliation. God loves everyone. Well, I don't think he loves that person. You see, it's so easy to, here's what we do, is that we sit on a moral high ground. That's what hypocrisy does. It's sitting in a place where I'm so glad that I'm not like you. And what we don't realize is it's so easy to sit in the seat of hypocrisy. And the truth is this, the world is full of hypocrites. The problem is, most of them are in the church. I'll say it again because only one person saw how that was. (laughs) The world is full of hypocrites. The problem is most of them exist in the church. Let's be honest. Can we be real a little bit today? Let's be real. Most of them exist in the church. And here's why. Let me tell you why. It's because... The longer you're in an environment where you're exposed to 
what it means to follow God. And when you're exposed to, and, and your life is changed. Listen, the longer you're in an environment like that, the easier it is to get to a place where you see yourself as now being righteous and moral and having a better compass. And I go to church and I don't do those things and I don't smoke that and I don't do that, but you do that. And next thing you know, you find yourself kind of almost living this pretend life that you're better than other people. And we don't even realize it, but exists mostly in the church. And oh, by the way, if it exists mostly in the church, and maybe the longer you're in an environment like this, the easier it is to become hypocritical. You know what that means? I have more potential than any of you to be a hypocrite in the biggest one. I really do. Not, not only am I in that environment, but I'm the one with the microphone. I'm the one who has the role and the job of, of communicating to you God's scripture. I realize that. And so one of the things, just so you know, that I, I try to do is I, I try to be as real as I can. And I need you to hear this, especially if you're newer to our church. And you started coming and you heard a couple messages and you're in the environment. You're like, oh, this is amazing. This is so great. And I understand that you'd think that this is so awesome. And oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. Before you, you start to think, man, he is so great. I need you to hear this. I am really far from being a perfect person. And I will not pretend to be perfect. I need you to hear this, okay? This is my aim. My aim is this. It's not always to say things that you love to hear. My aim is that I want to make sure that what I'm saying is at least authentic with how I'm living. That, that's, what, that's my goal. Because listen, I promise you, you stick around long enough, I will say some things that might bother you. I will say some words that might affect you depending on how you were raised. I've had people leave the church because I said, that sucks. <laughs> if you don't like that I just said that, you will not last in this church. Or sometimes I'll say, man, that's just been dealing with a bunch of crap. And for whatever reason in the church world, there's, your pastor, you shouldn't say those words. Why? I say them when I'm not on the platform. And when I'm not on the platform, I'm going to be one way and then come be on the platform and act like I'm holy. Oh, no. Jesus will open a can. Of, okay. I sometimes know that there are some basic boundaries, okay? I understand that, but I, I sometimes, can I just be honest with you? I just, sometimes I do it because I know it'll ruffle the really, really religious. I know, I know it will, but it's who I am. And I hope you would rather have somebody who is going to be real than somebody who's going to preach like he ain't got any problems in his life. Because I'm not going to do that. I, I, I really, um, I have a lot of issues. I do. I, I'll be honest with you. I try to be as transparent as I can, but then I remember that I have family members that will be embarrassed by some of the things. And so I have to, I have to draw a line somewhere. There are, I'll be a even more transparent off the platform because if I can be, but, but I, I try to be as transparent as I can. And I, I'm honest all the time. Like, I will say this, I've gotten pretty good. I don't carry grudges. I think in that regard, I'm pretty good. I don't carry grudges. But here's what I do. Like, if you hurt me, I don't have any bitterness towards you. I really don't. I can forgive you. But the reason why it doesn't bother me is because I just cut you out of my life and in my mind, and you're dead to me. No, I'm serious. I know I got issues. I'm dealing with them when I talk to my counselor. I really do. But you're just dead to me. Like, I don't think about you. That's why you never bother me after that. I'll be honest. I am selfish most of the time. I really am. That's why I've got this bad issue when it's time to eat, I'm the first one in line every time. Because I want to make sure I have an opportunity to get the best and get the right. I am selfish most of the time. You can ask my wife, ask my family. I am not making this up. Uh, I'm selfish most of the time. I am not that generous of a person. 
I'm really not. I know, I know I'll talk about generosity because I believe in it and I do give. I'm faithful to give a tithe. We give offerings. We give, I mean, because we've seen God's blessing in our life, it's an act of worship. So we, I will give and give and give to God. But, but I, you ever met somebody that's so generous that when you're around them, you're like, if, if I needed their car, they would walk and give it to me. You ever met someone like that? That is not me. No, 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 that is not me. Or you ever need somebody, you know, when they're just telling you about how, you know, they're just, man, we don't know if we're going to have a place to stay, and that's awful, and I might have extra bedrooms in my house. And I'm like, that is so terrible. Let me call somebody and see if I can find somebody that can put you up, because I'm not inviting you to my house. I'm just being real. I am, some of you already are going, uh, this maybe is not the church for us. I'm okay with that. I'm so okay with that. And I won't fault you one bit. I'm just telling you. Uh, I, have to, I have to make sure, control, to make sure that lustful thoughts don't continue to ruminate my mind. Anybody else like that? See, I, I have, I've, got, I've got my own issues, guys. And, and, and here's what I need you to know before you go, I just want to be like Pastor Tim. I would not say that if I were you, okay? I got my own problems, but here is my goal. Here's my goal. Here's my goal. My goal, my aim Listen, isn't to be perfect, but it is to be authentic. That's my goal. It's not to be perfect, and I don't ever want to present like I'm perfect because I am not. My goal is to be authentic. And can I just say that that maybe isn't just a goal for me. I wonder if that would be an incredible goal for all of us. Is that I don't have to try to be perfect. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I don't have to be perfect. But, but I do want to try to live authentic. Now, I'm not saying that as an excuse for sin. No, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus every single day, every year. I want, I want to be more like him. But, but I need you to hear that. And I understand the weight that I carry because I have the microphone. Don't think that when I, I read a passage like this, that it doesn't hit me between the eyes because I understand that it's my seat to sit in to communicate with you the scriptures and who God is, and what it means to follow him. I understand that. But before you, you think that this passage is only for pastors, could I remind you that you actually hold a microphone too? See, you hold a microphone when you're at work. You, you hold a microphone when you're at school, with your, when you're hanging out with your friends. When you're going out for the evening, you hold a microphone. You see, when people know that you're a Jesus follower, when people know because you post about, oh, I'm so grateful for all that God's done in my life. I'm so blessed. And when you post about how God did this and how church was incredible, and I love that you post all that. But when you post all of that, but then you go to work or you go to school or you go to class, you go to this, you got to understand you're holding a microphone too. Because everybody around you is listening and they're watching. To see your life, it's not just the ones that are preaching on Sunday. And so this was a big deal to Jesus. And he's addressing their hypocrisy. And I think all of us could have a tendency, myself included, to sit in the seat of hypocrisy. And, and here's why it is so dangerous. This is, this is why it bothered Jesus. If you read on with me, verses um, 4 through 7, said they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues or the churches. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Here's here's the, the gist. Jesus said, everything they do is for show. Everything they do says, look at me. Look at how, look at how righteous I am. Look at how I live. Everything they post is, look at how good I am. Look at look at my life's together. Look at our family. Look at everything they do says, look at me. No wonder Jesus got so mad at hypocrisy, at religious hypocrisy, because here's what it does. It takes people's eyes off God and puts it on man. Look at me. In fact, Jesus said, you got big phylacteries. 
Does anybody have big phylacteries? Anybody got big phylacteries? How big are your phylacteries? Yeah, that's what I figured some of you are like, what's a phylactery? I like big phylacteries. I like big phylacteries. I cannot lie. Dude, but I know some of you are like, dude, you know what that song's about. Yes, I do. I'm not that perfect. Leave me alone. What's a big phylactery? Well, a phylactery, if you're, if, you're, if you're Jewish, you would say, I hate that word because it was actually called a teflon. This is the, the Greek translation. But here's what a phylactery was. It was a little box, okay, a little box that came with a leather strap that they would wear when they prayed, a teflon or a phylactery. Now, here's, here's, let me describe what the significance of this was. Because if you see Orthodox Jews today, you'll see them and they'll be wearing this. They'll wear it on their arm. They get this leather strap that goes all the way. They'll start with their finger, go all the way up their arm, a little box here, and they'll wear it on their foreheads when they pray and kind of signifies that when they raise their arms that the box would cross their heart. Here's what's so significant about the box. Inside the box would be these really tiny little baby scrolls and on these scrolls, there, there would be some passages from the Old Testament. Passages from like Exodus 13 or Deuteronomy 6. And these passages were reminders of what God did when he brought the nation of Israel out of slavery and out of Egypt. Exodus 13, that was when they first came out. Remember everything I did and all the miracles I did to bring you out and save you. Deuteronomy 6, when you go into the promise, remember everything that I did for you. So much so that God gave them this instruction about this. And this is how they got these phylacteries in Deuteronomy 6, verse 8. He said, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. So they wear these little boxes. They still do. Jewish men still do today. If you're around Orthodox Jewish men, when they pray, they're going to wrap up. They carry it with them. They wrap it up. They're going to, okay, is meant to be a reminder of what God did in rescuing them, bringing them out of Egypt, the miracles that he did, the power that he displayed to bring them out of Egypt and into the promise of God. This was the reminder so that when they prayed, they would remember, God, if it's not for your grace, God, if it weren't for all the ways that you have saved me, God, if it's not for your love, God, if it's not for your power, God, I would be nothing without you. That's a phylactery. It was meant to be a symbol to remind you when you pray about how much you need God. And what did they do? They took them and they made them really big. Why? So they would remember? No. So other people would see their religious symbol and how righteous they are. What was intended to be a reminder of grace turned into a badge of righteousness. Look at, oh, I got a big phylactery. I'm really holy. I pray a lot. I make sure you know it. I walk, look at the tassels for my garments are really long as a reminder about how righteous I am. And when Jesus looked at it, all he could see was that it was a false humility. Can I, can I give you this thought today? Maybe you write this one down. False humility leads to hypocrisy. So how, how do we become hypocrites? It starts with false humility. You, you know what false humility is? False humility is when you sit in a particular seat. False humility is, is when you sit in the seat and you can manage to um, do everything for show, but it's not authentic, the seat of hypocrisy. For example, it's like, it's like when you serve but you serve so you get recognized or noticed, not because there's a need and because you care to serve. So begrudgingly you do it and you won't say anything because you really want somebody to admire you. Or it's like when you do a good thing, but you don't do it because it's the right thing. You do it because you want someone to notice you doing a good thing. And see, here's the thing. This is what's so deceptive about it, right? is that no one around you knows that's the reason why you're doing it. This is false humility. And what we don't realize is that false humility is a trap. 
Because false humility leads to living a false life. False humility will bring a false life. And here's what it means. You'll create this persona. You want everybody to know how good, look, I serve and I, and, and I do this and I give to the poor and I do all these things and I wanna make sure you know I do all these things. So what are you doing? You're building a persona. You're building a facade of your life that is so important, you gotta keep it up. And all of a sudden it traps you. It traps you because now you can't be authentic when you fail. When you don't measure up, you can't tell anybody because you'll ruin what they think about you. And so what you've just done is you've created this life where you're trapped and you're actually not living what you really are saying, but you can't tell anybody because then they'll be disappointed in you and you don't realize that false humility, it leads to a false life and it leads to hypocrisy. You actually just, it doesn't line up. But there's a progression, I want you to hear this. False humility leads to hypocrisy and hypocrisy leads to judgment. Because hypocrisy has a friend. And almost every person that you meet that is hypocritical, people will think you're being judgmental. I'll sit in the seat. I'm better than them. I, I don't do those things. And, and what we don't realize is so deceptive because we're for the truth. I get it, I'm for the truth too. But we don't even realize that we've become so judgmental toward the world around us because of our self-righteousness and because of the life that we profess, but maybe we don't actually even lead. And we wonder why the world around us is turned off to the God that we serve or being part of a church community. I told this story in the 9.30. I've only told it actually, I think, one other time. When I did a series back in 2016 called Pot and Kettle. And I told this story about a moment that was really significant um, where I ran into this waitress. And I started talking to her about church. And I, <laughs> this is the most fascinating thing. I'm going to show you in a moment. Um, this is how God is, this is how God works. And I ran to this waitress, and I was uh, I saw, talking to her, and I, I asked her if she went to church anywhere. She said, no, I don't, I don't go to church. But I noticed that she had a tattoo, I think, on her left arm. And I, I saw it, and it was a Bible verse. And I said, what's up with the tattoo? Because she was like, no, I don't go to church. And I think I even asked her, I said, why, do you, why don't you go to church? And she said, oh, it's full of hypocrites. I said, yeah, you're right, it is. And, and, I, and she had this tattoo, and I said, tell me about your tattoo. And on her arm, she had tattooed Matthew 7, 1, which, by the way, Matthew 7, 1, and I think she had written underneath what it was, is do not judge lest you be judged. And, and I said, well, I'd love to invite you to my church. And nah, I don't go to churches full of hypocrites and judgmental people. I said, well, here's the good news. We don't have near as many in our church. I said, because most of us know how messed up we really are. We know that we're, we don't pretend to be perfect because we're jacked up, we're messed up, we're screwed up. Now here's the fascinating thing. I said that at the 9.30, right after it, someone said, you know the woman that you talked about in the waitress? She's here. I said, oh my goodness. And Angie, forgive me for, for that. And, and I did talk to her beforehand. And, I, and the last time I spoke on this, I think was the first time she ever came to our church. That just blew me away. It blew me away. Angie, wherever you are, I promise I don't talk about you every week. You can go back and listen to any of the sermons. I promise. But she said, why do you always talk about me? I talked to her right before this one. I said, because my encounter with you left a mark with me. Has it bothered me? that that's the story you have of Jesus' followers. I think this bothers Jesus more than we realize. So much so that, and I don't have time, but the rest of this passage, Jesus basically turns and addresses the Pharisees. And he gives a warning. And I think it would be good for all of us to heed that warning today. In verse 13, and I'll just read the first warning. 
Jesus said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. This is what bothered Jesus so much. You don't understand your hypocrisy is affecting other people. Your hypocrisy is what people see. Oh, I know they hear you, but they also see you. And it bothered him so much that you'll see this over and over again. There's seven of these. He just keeps saying, woe to you. You need to watch out. This is really dangerous because you don't realize it, but you are doing something that really angers the heart of God. When your life and your message don't line up and it pushes people away. It's kill- he said that you're keeping people who want to come to God away from God because of your life. And I thought about it as I was listening. He said, woe to you hypocrites. You hypocrites. You hypocrites. And I thought, how do I help people remember this? You hypocrites. You hippo. You hippo. And it dawned on me. Here's Jesus' message. You still got to read it all for yourself, but I'm going to sum it up. He said, don't be a hippo. That's what I got out of it. Don't be a hippo. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor, look at him in the eye, and just say, don't be a hippo. Tell him, don't be a hippo. So I, I know it's the way my mind works. It's weird because I started, I was hearing hippo, hypocrite. I know it's not the same word, but I kept hearing hippo. And so that made me decide to start studying hippos this week. And I know some of you think I just sit there and study the Bible, but sometimes I stub, study Wikipedia. And sometimes I, I, I read up about hippos and I learned a lot of useless facts about hippos. But you know, you know what I, I noticed about hippos? They are cute little creatures. Well, they're not little. They are, I mean, they are just these, they eat grass. They're gentle. They live in Africa most of the day. They don't, I mean, they don't kill and hunt other animals, right? And then as I was reading about hippos, guess what I discovered? That they are the deadliest large land animal. But in Africa, only the mosquito kills more people. Hippos. Because here's the thing, they seem like they're nice and they just eat grass, but in a moment's notice, they will turn on you. They kill lions, they kill crocodiles, they are incredibly deadly. And I had this thought, if that isn't sometimes a picture of a Jesus follower, a Christian, that sometimes we look innocent. And sometimes we might even portray like we're innocent. But what we don't realize is that our hypocrisy is one of the most deadly things that you can do, not just for yourself, but it affects others. It affects others. And I think what Jesus and the reason why he was so upset with these leaders, because they had the seat, they had the position they had the authority, they had the respect, they had the admiration, they had the influence. But what I don't want you to hear is that it's only the religious leaders that have influence because guess what? You have influence too. I have influence. You have influence and not just on this platform. When I go to the, when I go to the store, I have influence. When I'm at work, I have influence here's what I've discovered about our lives, and this is what Jesus really says, that our lives either lead people toward God or away from him. Can I ask you a question? Does the message of your life, I'm not talking about just what you say, because we speak, it's not just what you say, it's what you do. That's your message. Does the message of your life, I'm asking, lead people closer to God or would it lead people further away? This is why I think hypocrisy might be the one sin that set Jesus off more than others. That's why when you read later this week, all of Matthew 23, you're gonna be like, I had no idea Jesus had that in him. It's a righteous anger. 
In fact, Jesus said something a few chapters earlier about how important this is for all of us. In Matthew 18, verse six, there's a moment when some people brought Jesus their kids because they wanted Jesus to bless them. He was touching all these adults and healing and blessing and they brought their kids and the disciples tried to shoo the kids away. And Jesus said, no, 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 you bring them to me. I love the kids. I love them. They're innocent. I love the kids. The kids that love me, I love the kids. And Jesus said these really strong words that I think we ought to, we all, if you're a Jesus follower, you ought to take real seriously. He said this, but if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Some of you didn't know that. That was Jesus that said that. In other words, what's he saying? If one of you that have influence over someone who doesn't, who's maybe young and innocent, by the way, it doesn't, we don't have to just talk about little kids because there are people around you that listen, they are spiritually innocent. They don't know God. They don't know they're messing up. They don't know the things that they're doing that are hurting themselves. And here's what he says. If you cause one of them to walk further from me, you cause one of them to sin, it'd be better if you weren't alive. That's deep, man. All all that to say this, I hope you get this. This matters to Jesus. That your life, if you're gonna say you follow Jesus, your life matches up with what you say. I tell you what, it's it's sobering because I understand that I gotta deal with mine. I gotta deal with mine and say, how do I how do I deal with my hypocrisy? I think. I think first you gotta have the right perspective of who Jesus is and who we are. Because the only one that belongs in the seat is Jesus. The, the one who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. He's the only one that needs to sit in the seat, not me. I don't need to be judgmental to the world around me. I don't need, all, what I need to do, you wanna know what will make the biggest difference in the world around you? You know what will make the biggest difference with your family members, the biggest difference with your friends, your neighbor, your coworker, they'll make a lot more than you going on and on about how great God is and how you ought to come to my church. You know what will make an even bigger difference? Is if your life, if they can just look at your life and go, I don't know, but I see grace in your life and the way you don't judge me, even though you know that I do this and that I'm messed up, the way you just welcome me and you love me and you give me that grace. Why is it like that? You do that, watch out. See, I wonder what would happen if the church, if we did that. If we, if we were to look in the mirror at our hypocrisy and say, I'm gonna live authentic. I'm not perfect. I wanna get more like Jesus. I wanna grow. I don't wanna stay where I am, but I will be authentic in my life. I will, listen, when I mess up, I'm gonna tell somebody. When I sin, I'm gonna ask for grace. When I do that, I'm not gonna live behind a persona acting like I've got it all together. When our marriage is a mess, we're gonna get help. When I don't know what to do, when my doubt is going up and my faith is sinking, I'm gonna tell somebody that I'm struggling. Listen, if we would do that, I think the world around us would go, oh my gosh, that's authentic. I want it. I want it. I want it. Would you stand with me? I know this message is just a little bit heavy. I think you can handle it today. Feel like you're strong enough, you can handle it. I want the world around us to know the same God that saved us. I wanna be a trophy of grace, not walk around like a badge of righteousness. I want people to look at Jesus, not me. That happens when I look in the mirror and say, God, help me to live an authentic life. Would you bow your heads? Let's let's have a a moment. I, I would love for this maybe even to be a moment with you and God. Maybe there's something in your life that you know has not lined up with what you profess to be as a Jesus follower. There's no no judgment in that regard here. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but I do pray the spirit of God will bring conviction into your life right now as he brings into my life. And I just wanna respond. And there's grace. Please hear me today. There's grace. If you feel like you've messed up, there's grace. You're You're in the space of grace that's where you are today. Father, I pray right now for every person here today that God maybe is seeing a little deeper through your word into the mirror. 
God, I pray you'd forgive me of my hypocrisy. Forgive me at times of even wanting my church to think better of me than I really am. God, I I pray that you help me to live an authentic life, a transparent life in community and with you. God, we're not perfect. We're messed up, all of us. I am so grateful for your grace. Maybe you tell God that right now. If you are, just say, I'm grateful for your grace, God. I'm grateful for your love. Father, I, I pray for those here today that, God, are wanting to turn course. Those here today, I, I don't know if you're in this room or watching this online, but I wonder if maybe there's someone here today that you have not given your life to Jesus. And maybe the reason that you didn't give your life to Jesus is because of what you've seen. But maybe today in this moment, you realize who Jesus is. He loves you. His grace is here for you. His mercy is here for you. All you have to do is reach out for him. All you have to do is say, Jesus, will you forgive me? It's the most real and authentic thing you can do before your creator to say, God, I need you. I can't do life without you. I want you to forgive me of my sin today. I want, I want to make you my Lord and my Savior of my life today if you're here. If that's your prayer today, I'm going to ask you to say this with me. Right where you are, this is you and this is God. This is an authentic moment. I want you to say this with me. Father, today I receive your son Jesus as my Savior. Today I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Today I give my life to you, Jesus. From this moment forward, I will live to the best I can to be authentic and to follow you. And from this moment forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, I'm yours. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.